This message was presented at the GYC 2010 No Turning Back Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. quite a challenge, you know, to eat and then, uh, especially if you're caught in a line. And uh, I happened to be on time because I didn't go to the meeting, the other meeting, and so I could go quickly to the dining hall and there was no line. So anyway, I think that uh, we have a lot to say about this last section, which is probably the most important section of our series. And uh, let us just ask the Lord to bless us. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity of sharing this precious message. And may it give us courage and strength and maybe see more of your love and care for us. It's very important that you are even interested in the very details of life and all the challenges that we have to face in the near future, even before the latter rain is being poured out. And so thank you so much. And Send your Holy Spirit and give me the words to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we have <coughs> seen this morning when we looked at the uh, biblical pa- pattern, we have looked at the spirit of prophecy, then we have applied it to the major speech that is being presented in the, uh, in the uh, general conference, and we have seen that... Uh, uh, the aspect of the general conference speech was specifically focused on the application of the biblical and spirit of prophecy principles. And you will see that in church, or whatever you do, or whatever pastor messages present, uh, the problem comes when you apply it. Is it still applicable today or not? And uh, I have had little difficulty with this, in the application. And, uh, and so if it really doesn't make any sense, then you're going to reflect, yes, maybe there is something else going on. But if this testimony is very straightforward, I would say accept it and you will never go wrong. I sometimes ask, tell my students, you know, if you make this decision and you go that way of life, when you meet Jesus at the end of time, what kind of arguments would you bring to him? And when we meet Jesus, we have no arguments to bring. You know, whether it's our pastor, our teacher, or whatever, because he will, his eyes will penetrate, and we are completely there. You know, and if we are on his side, we will receive the approval. And, uh, and so the commitment, friends, is very important. And if you have made the commitment yesterday night, your future is wonderful. But, you know, the commitment is every time. Day by day. Day by day. Don't forget this because Satan is there. He never rests. And um, so let us now look again at the biblical insights and the shaking of scripture. And the experiences exactly in, in the scriptures, everything is related to God's church, to God's people. And so what is now the experience among God's people in Scripture. The remnant, 
And what is the specific characteristics of this remnant? They cry out to the Lord. They sigh and cry. And, uh, and you know, look at your own life. How many of us, to be honest, have sighed and cried to the Lord because of what happened in the church? Oh, yeah, you know, we realize things don't go well and we have problems and, you know, roadblocks. But sigh and cry. This is a very unique experience. And I think that if you want to prepare for this, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, you know, shall be satisfied. And even if I went to the seminary, or whether it was a preacher and whatever, it took me a long time to realize what it means. You know, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yeah. And that doesn't come automatically. And you have to call upon the Lord to give you this. But if you have this, when you get up in the morning, the first thing is not look at Google News, CNN, the weather, but look at the Word of God. And friends, if you don't have this experience, call upon the Lord. And don't give up calling. You know, I, I enjoyed the scriptures. Fun, it's interesting. But hunger and thirst for righteousness is something different. That you absolutely cannot be without it. Same like in James. Lament, lament. Zephaniah, also. And then the experience of the remaining church members. So here you have the, rem the remnant. And what about the rest of the church? Revelations 3, 15 through 17. Yes, friends. It's a sad story in a way. And uh, here it is. I know your works. You're neither cold or hot. I wish you were cold or hot. But you're lukewarm. And in a lukewarm situation, we will spit out. We spit out. But the problem is, we think we are rich, we have become wealthy, we have need of nothing, and don't you know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked? And then counsel, gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and Anoint your eyes with eyesight that you may see. Friends, this is the key, what we need. And so again, let us look here at the Spirit of Prophecy Insights. What is the effect of the straight testimony? The Bible is very clear. It reveals the condition of our church. It deals both with the remnant and the rest. It reveals clearly Two classes of people. Those who accept the testimony and rejoice in it and those who oppose. Those are the two classes. And the closer we come to the end, and I've seen it in my 40 years of Advent experience, that it becomes clearer and clearer the closer we come to the end. You know? It's not that you neglect the others, but you feel attracted to the other group. Why? Why? Because you have the same basis of understanding. 
the same goals, the same way to approach scripture, the same way to it. And if you don't have this, one goes in, one goes out. We have now several Bible passages. And on every issue in the church, one decides in one direction. One decides in the other direction. It's all like there. It's very tragic in a way. You wish it wasn't so, but you ha never have intimate fellowship with people that treat the word of God and the spirit of prophecy in a way that you would never dare to treat it. And to me, it is the treasure to heaven. The treasure to have a marvelous relationship with Jesus Christ. What is the trace testimony? Why is this? Its purpose in the Spiritual Gifts, Volume 2, page 283. You read, By some there is a shunning of the living testimony. Cutting truth must not be shunned. It needs to be something besides theory to reach the heart now. It needs the stirring testimony to alarm, arouse, that will stir the enemy's subject, and then honest souls will be led to decide for the truth. So was it not for this honest testimony, friends, many would not decide. They would say, okay, you know, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. But a straight testimony cannot be shunned. And this is the key. We may know the three angels' messages. We may know the 1888 message. We, need, we may know health reform and all the other things. But it needs to be something more than theory. You see? It needs to be a hard experience. And that only can come from the Lord. You see? And so that is my challenge frequently. You, you feed the students with reams of information. And if you see how they treat sometimes one another, how they walk in life, when Monday morning they come to the seminary or the, or the college and you hear them talk, is it the latest experience with the Lord Jesus? Or the battle between the Red Sox or the White, white Skins? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not involved in those things. But I hear, I overhear all kinds of things, the dolphin, whatever. Or is it something that they just discovered in the scriptures with the Lord? And so the observation is God's mercy is that to reach on the souls. The very powerful messages, the cutting truth, the straight testimonies, are there to separate God's people to bring them more to Jesus. The shaking will lead to decisions for the truth. And that is very, very important. So don't fear, you know, it should always be presented in a loving, kind way. But it ought to be presented. And God's people who are like the white, wise virgins, what were the wise virgins doing? They slept. They slept. They are the good virgins, but still they slept. And we can be the remnant church. We can be part of the remnant. And we can even daily read the spirit of prophecy and still sleep. And so this then is to stir us up. And the messages that you will hear at this conference are there to design to wake us up. If you don't want it, don't come here. 
you know? Why should you come here? No, friends. Why this testimony? Here the purpose. In again, um, Spiritual Gifts, Volume 2, page 283 and 284. Here is the problem. Sin exists in the church that God hates. But they are scarcely touched for fear of making enemies. Opposition has risen in church to the plain testimony. When the church departs from God, they despise the plain testimony and complain of its severity and harshness. Be nicer. And with niceness, they don't talk about it. It's a sad evidence of the lukewarm state of the church. And so our observation is, it is the purpose of the state testimony is simply to eliminate sin. To eliminate sin. Because sin in the church paralyzes its missionary effort. I've been pastoring church after church. And I came there, and it's incredible what you see. People living with one another, not being married, for years, on the books, and nobody touched because she is a daughter of so-and-so, of the head elder, of this and that. And other things, you know, I mean, people, what, what, what they do. Even a church where, 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 where there are ladies and have now three children out of wedlock. Estelle in good to regular standing. People are working on the Sabbath, good to regular standing. Overseas, I was there in churches where people had a great Buddha and offered food sacrifices on a daily basis. Member of good to regular standing. Friends, how can God prosper when we try to be so kind that we don't do anything? Friends, who gives the straight testimony? God's caring invitation. Here it is. Spiritual Gifts, Volume 2, page 284. Just as long as God has a church, he will have those who will cry aloud and spare not, who will be his instruments to reprove selfishness and sins, and will not shun to declare the whole counsel of God, whether men will hear or forbear. Isn't it nice that God has still people that are there that speak up? Observation. God has not left his church alone, but he is faithful who dare to give his whole counsel. And friends, if you are called by the Lord, how can you refrain from giving? I rather would go in real estate and not in this society and not even make money today than saying, yes, the Lord has called me to lead this church. But a terrible is to live from the tithe of others and not give the whole truth. Shameful, shameful. And so how to bring the testimony? How to do it? The preacher's calling. And you reflect in your own churches about your preachers. There are some that's excellent, some that are mediocre, and some that should never be in the ministry. Here it is. Let us look here in Spiritual Gifts, Volume 2, verse 284 and 285. Preachers should have no scrupulous to preach the truth as it is found in God's word. Let the truth cut. 
I have been shown that why ministers have not more success is they're afraid of hurting feelings, fearful of not being courteous, and they lower the standard of truth. I saw that God could not make such successful. The servants of God must cry out and spare not and leave the result to God. Very, very simple. Friends, keep that in mind here. This is one of the reasons why our churches don't flourish. Oh yeah, we have a couple of baptisms. Three, four baptisms. How are we going to reach the world? With those few baptisms? Friends, the spirit of prophecy sees in a vision memorials of God's church in every city. Every town. Do we have them? No. And if you leave the word only on the pastor, it will take many years before the Lord comes. We as church members, whatever your function is, the Lord gives the mandate and you will go out. And the Lord will bless you. Right? Don't fear. Because the Lord is with you. The guardian angels are with you. And if you are fearful, send a cry to the Lord. and said, Lord, give me another angel. That's what Ellen White did when she was discouraged. She says, Lord, give me another angel. And suddenly she says, the atmosphere around me became light. Think about it. And so here, the observation, proclaim the truth of God's word and leave the results with God. Simply. You are to witness, the Lord will take care of you. And so how to bring the testimony? Urgent call of leaders to weep. The restraining word spirit of God is even now being withdrawn from the world. Hurricanes, storms, tempests, fires, and floods, disasters by sea and land follow each other in quick succession. Is it helping today? So what is this? This is an evidence of what? Spirit of God withdrawing. The judgment are coming. And so what are we doing? Could the curtain be rolled back? Could you discern the purposes of God? and the judgment that are about to fall upon a doomed world, you would fear and tremble for your own souls and for the souls of your fellow men. Earnest prayer of hearts rendering anguish would go up to heaven. You would weep between the porch and the altar, confessing your spiritual blacksidings and blindness. Testimony, volume 6, verse 408. Friends, do you see the curtain being rolled back? You see that all the disasters are a part of God's plan. The Holy Spirit is withdrawing. Have you ever thought about it? Revelation 15, 16, and 17. The last seven last plagues. You know what is coming. The most dreadful without any mercy. Can you work on your workplace or your friends, or non-administrative friends, talk, you know, and have fun and whatever without even sharing any of this information? You know? We must have a hard heart to keep this for ourselves. One of the church that I was speaking of, there was, an, uh, uh, was some individuals from NASA. And I said, you know, how is it? That must be difficult for you as an Adventist to work in NASA. 
you know, was it here in Huntington? I said, you know. No, he said, you know, no problem. I said, but, but what are your Sabbath problems? Oh, he said, you know, I've never shared that I was a Seventh-day Adventist. And this man has been working 15, 20 years. You know, when Jesus looked at the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Think about it. Think about the seven last plagues and your non-Adventist friends. How can you not be moved? Are you with me? You know, those are some solemn reality. How to bring the testimony? Call to weep for souls. Review and Herald, April 23, 1908. The work of the faithful minister is no child's play. Earnest, untiring efforts are required to wrench the prey from the hands of the enemy. Whatever the trials and difficulties that the ambassador of Christ may have to meet, it is his privilege to carry them all to God in prayer. He can weep between the porch and the altar, pleading, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine inheritance to reproach. And by the study of the scriptures and earnest wrestling in prayer, he may become a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And friends, when we share this message, people would wrestle with agony because of the message. In the olden days of the pioneers, we call, at the end of the sermon, we call people forward. Here were the anxious seat in the center, and they had special prayer. We don't do it anymore. Yeah, still people come for For what reason? Oh, if you have a special need, if you have a special, then you come. Now, everybody can come. And yet it's tragic because you see only a few people here and the rest there. Yeah. Uh, this probably becomes because this is the garden of prayer. We adopted it from the Pentecostals and whatever. You know, it's an easy way to get, you know, at least action, you know, get people out of the seat and come forward. But where is the call? to repentance and reformation. And come here for those who want to do it. You know, that is a total different mentality. That was the pioneer mentality. Where are we today? And so, who will survive the shaking? Let us now look to the characteristics of those shaken out. Testimony, volume 5, page 80. The days are fast approaching when there will be great perplexity and confusion. Every wind of doctrine will be blowing. And that is within the church. Keep that in mind. Those who have rendered supreme homage to science, falsely so-called, will not be the leaders then. Those who have trusted to intellect, genius, and talent will not then stand at the head or rank and file. They're self-sufficient, independent of God, and he cannot use them. And so what is our observation? Those who trust in intellect and talent are simply useless. Simply useless. And therefore, if you don't have any degree or any higher education, and you come and your daughter's moved and you come to those meetings, the Lord can make you the standard bearers in the future. You believe that? That is possible, friends. It is not a dream. Every man here could be a Daniel. And every woman could be an Esther. You know, think about it, what you can do. What God can do with us. 
even if we have not gone to the seminary. You know, I invite you to come to the seminary and we have a lot of material to share with you. But if the Lord impresses you to work here, stay here. And so, who will be shaken out? Those who are not covered by Christ. Fifth volume of testimony, page 81. Are you covered by Christ? In this time, the gold will be separated from the dross in the church. True godliness will be clearly distinguished from the appearance and tinsel of it. Many a star that we have admired for its brilliancy will then go out in darkness. All who assume the ornaments of the sanctuary, pretending to be you know, church members, paying tithe, coming on Sabbath, doing health work and all of that, all who assume the ornaments of the sanctuary but are not clothed with Christ's righteousness will appear in the shame of their own nakedness. And so those who are not clothed with Christ's righteousness will be shaken up. And we have a many, many people that have done it. If I go to my seminary experience and I go to the list that were there with me in training, sad to see. Now, some of those people have made a brilliant career outside of Adventism. But they're on the broad way, going to perdition. Many a star that we have admired for its brilliancy. So therefore, don't put your hope and faith in human talent. Moses Hull was one of the best evangelists in the 1860s. And yet, rejecting the counsel of the spirit of prophecy and being in, trying to reason with spiritualists, he became a spiritualist and he wrote the spiritualist Bible. A major contribution for the spiritualist. But a sad departure from us. Ken Wright. He wrote a book against the spirit of prophecy and against our church. And his book has been the, you know, the must reading of every, every non-Adventist. And it's still being, you know, on the internet and everywhere. Any group that is against us, quote Ken Wright. What a contribution. Yet if you read the experience of his death, it was agonizing. John Harvey Kellogg. And the cornflakes and all the corn, you know, Kellogg factories, whatever. And his brother. Yes, many a star for his brilliancy. He left. He was the one that LMI says, you know, warns about of the alpha of apostasy. And then she cringes about what will happen in our church at the very end when you have the omega of apostasy. You know? And yet, do we even reflect upon those things? Yes, he is a brilliant individual. And the Lord could use him as long as he stayed faithful to the Lord. Then he went out, and his fortune went down. And now his beautiful, you know, palatial hospital is one of the federal government building. What a contribution to the federal government. But not to us, George. Here, Desmond Ford. I was in Glacier View. I've reasoned with them. 
in vain. And, you know, he left, he left. And he influenced some of our brilliant students and some of our good friends. And uh, you may know this individual, you may not know this individual. But he is now in the top echelons of one of the most important Christian weeklies. Yes, there it is. Still a brilliant, kind man, but lost for God's cause. Very, very sad. And we can go on and on and on. Who will be shaken out? The question is, if you want to determine this, whether you are or, or, or somebody else, is what is your attitude towards the world? Think about it. Faith to live by, page 336. As the storm approaches, a large class who have professed the faith in the third angel's message, but have not been sanctified through obedience to the truth, abandon their position and join the ranks of the opposition. By uniting with the world and partaking of its spirit, they have come to view matters in nearly the same light. And when the test is brought, they are prepared to choose the easy, popular side. They become the most bitter enemies of their former brethren. Very, very sad. And so the observation is, you will be shaken out if you fail to be sanctified by obedience to the truth. Friends, obey, obey, obey. We know this song, trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no better way than to trust and obey. And so, friends, will you be shaken out? What is your attitude towards human talent? You know, the books you read, the people you admire, what is it? Our faith cannot be invested in any man. We need Christ's righteousness. We need Jesus ever by our side. He is a rock. It is by this, his might, that we can conquer. And by his righteousness that we are saved. When I see men exalted and praised, extolled as almost infallible, I know that there must come a terrible shaking. And so those who trust in human talent over Christ's righteousness as our rock. Keep in mind, friends, are we in our church applauding more human talent? Are we applauding this instead of saying, Amen, praise the Lord? And more and more, and of course, you know, I mean, you cannot blame any of our people because we look at television. And television is the performance. The same like Sunday morning. You know, it's really amazing how many people, 70 others, even look to the spiritual programs there. And then, of course, when they come into our churches, they are dissatisfied by the preacher. Because our ministers generally cannot match the best preachers of the nation. And gradually, step by step by step, you go the direction. Friends, we have to be very, very careful with those things. Let us pray to the Lord will pre preserve us from those subtle things. And, you know, you don't jump immediately into it. No, it goes step by step by step. And you become more and more familiar with the non-Adventist 
religious programs. And then our church cannot anymore satisfy you. But if we go to church, not simply what we can get out of it, but taking Jesus with us and then sharing what the Lord did last week. Not 10 years ago, no, last week. You know, are you with me? See, that is what we need. And so therefore you're going to church to encourage people. Even if the preacher, you know, was not prepared, don't blame him. And if you really are disturbed about it, read one of the Psalms and praise the Lord. While the preacher's going. At least people see you, you're looking in your Bible. Friends, what can we contribute? Worship. The Old Testament worship, what did the people do? The Old Testament Hebrew worship for, for, word for worship is you prostrate yourself for the Almighty. You come to the temple and you plead with the Lord. Instead of coming and resting, okay, the pews, you know, our little heart and whatever. Friends, this is the way that we come to the Almighty. We are humbled and then we receive from him the beauty. Yes. Who will be shaken out? What is your attitude toward the truth? Review and Herald, March 19, 1895. Last day events, page 173. The Lord is soon to come. There must be a refining, winning a process in every church. For there are among us wicked men who do not love the truth or honor God. Now, friends, if it was not from the prophet who said that, you know, you would, <laughs> you would say, you know, let, let's take it with a grain of salt. And if I would simply say it, you know, I said, oh, yeah, you know, Domstick. By the way, my name is Domstick. Domstick. I get various names, you know, how do you pronounce your name? But anyway, here, in regard, wicked man among us, now, is it really surprising? If you were with Satan, what would you do? You would send some wicked man to the Adventist church and create all kind of confusion. You know, send him to the seminary and, 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 and engage the faculty in useless conversations and discussions. All of this. And so here, observation. Those who do not love the truth would honor God. You know, in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, remember the power of deception that comes? It is affecting those who do not love the truth so that they will be condemned in the judgment. And so think about it. Do you love the truth? Are you willing to give your life for the truth? You know? This is the thing. And this is something, friends, that we need to plead with the Lord that we love him because Jesus loved the truth. He is the personification of the truth. And so if we don't love the truth, we really don't love Jesus. That is the simple logical reasoning. Who will be shaken out? What is your attitude to God's cause? Early writings, page 50 and 51. A mighty shaking has commenced and will go on, and all that will be shaken out who are not willing to take a bold and unyielding stand for the truth and to sacrifice for God and his cause. 
do we really realize what it is to sacrifice for God's cause? You know, Joseph Bates, to whom God gave the special insights in what? In the Sabbath, in the Sabbath truth. He was a wealthy sea captain, retirement, his whole retirement asset he put in the, in the work of the Lord. And so by the time 1844 was there, he had hardly anything left. Then he discovered the truth about the Sabbath. He started to write, to write, to write. And then his wife said, Lord, Joseph Bates, we need to have some groceries. What do you need? Oh, I need four pounds. Okay. I said, I get you four pounds. I said, Joseph, we always buy in bulk. Four pounds? Yes, my dear. Here this York shilling is all I have. All I have, a wealthy sea captain. And she says, oh, Joseph, what are we going to do? And she cries and cries. He said, simply, the Lord will provide. He walked to the post office. There was a letter. That was open, and there was a nice sum of money. He ordered the bulk route to deliver in his house. He said, my wife will not believe you, but <laughs> put it there. She expects only four pounds. And then... The rest of the money, he put make a down payment on the publication of his first Sabbath book. Can you imagine what a faith those individuals? Incredible. And yet, his water and bread will be sure. So think about it. Where do you put your money? I cried to God to spare his people, some who were fainting and dying, said the angel. All thunders and lightning of Mount Zion would not move those who will not be moved by the plain truth of God's word. Neither would an angel's message awaken them. That is the condition of the people that are not willing to take a bold stand for the truth. You see that? So even if an angel from heaven would come, it wouldn't do any good. So don't think that if you share this message, yeah, I'm not from Anders University, I'm not from... Columbia Union or University, I'm not from this, this, and I have not the training. Don't worry about it, because angels of heaven couldn't move some of those people. That is the plain truth. And then go to people who are open to it. Look for openness. Open, open up. And so there, they're dead, and be nice to them, because this is all they have in life. Observation. Those failing to stand boldly for the truth and sacrifice will be shaken up. If we look at Christ's sacrifice at Calvary, how much he did for us, how much are we willing to sacrifice for him? That is the question. Who will be shaken out? What is your attitude towards divine light? The light that God has given, especially through the spirit of prophecy. In the 1888 manuscripts, page 331, this is written to one of the attendants of the conference who did not accept that glorious message. Because that message, friends, really was the loud cry message that were ushering in this latter rain. <coughs> You may, as an excuse, point to some of our leading brethren who have not accepted or rejoiced in the light given in 1888. 
but have intercepted themselves between the light and the people that it should not reach them. But they must answer to God for the position. I am sorry that you are in such a great blindness that you are unable to distinguish the voice of God from that of the enemy. Isn't it sad? So think about it, how, how dangerous it is to reject truth. You get confused. And you have had it. I have had it in many Bible studies. You know, you come to a testing truth and you go on and you ask for a commitment and you don't mean it. And you go on and on and on and on and finish the Bible study. They don't move. From now on, I only go further if they accept the truth. Every Bible study, you should have an acceptance of the truth. Otherwise, it's not useful to, to share it. And don't waste time on people, you know, and give argument after argument they will not take. They need, one of the first things that I have learned is very important, is when people, when you start people with Bible studies, are they willing to commit themselves to follow the truth? Mrs. Smith, if I tell you something in the Bible and it's not in your life, are you willing to follow that life? Are you willing? She is is quite sure. I said, okay, I come back next time. Repeat it again. Are you willing to? Because if they are not willing to, you may waste a half a year. Yes. And so the observation is, those who do not accept the light from heaven will be shaken up. Who will be shaken up? What is the attitude towards the work of the Lord? Sixth volume of testimony, page 331 and 332. If we only knew what is before us, we would not be so dilatory in the work of the Lord. We are in the shaking time, the time when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The Lord will not excuse those who know the truth if they do not in word and deed obey his command. Now, what is dilatory? Think about it intentionally delaying someone or something, intended to cause delay, gain time, or defer decision. See? Very, very clear. Are we dilatory? Or are we different? If we make no effort to win souls to Christ, we shall be held responsible for the work we might have done, but did not do because of our spiritual indolence. So if some of your friends get lost, you are responsible. And in the last days, during the time of trouble, those people are moved with agony because they are the friends. And I said, you know it all, John. Why didn't you tell me this? It's too late. Yes, John, but I, oh, yes, Jim, I didn't know how you would accept this. But why didn't you do it? You never did. And the cry of agony will pierce the souls of the indolent. Yes, the observation, those who do not in word and deed obey Christ. How do we stand the test? 
At times, Ellen White says, I'm worried in spirit. But when I commit all to God, his peace comes to me. I hear his voice, be still and know that I'm God. I see that the time has come when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. When we are in, we are in the shaking time, be assured that only those who live the prayer of Christ, working out in the practical life, will stand the test. Yes, friends, working out this prayer of Christ means being sanctified by the obedience to the truth. And as a result, we are united more than ever before. Observation, those who live out the church in practical life. Who will survive the shaking? What is your attitude towards the spiritual darkness around us? In some of the churches more than others. Even the darkness of this nation. Early writings, page 270. I saw some with strong faith and agonizing cries, pleading with God. Some I saw did not participate in this work of agonizing and pleading. They seemed indifferent, resisting the darkness. And, and around them, and it shut them like a thick cloud. The angels of God left these and went to the aid of the earnest praying ones. Observation, those who are resisting the darkness with strong faith and agonizing cry and pleading with God. Yes, friends, that those who do this will survive the shaking. How to survive it? Focus daily on the highest priority in life. What do we need daily? Matthew 4, verse 4. What does it say? You will not live by that alone, but by everything that comes from the Spirit of God. And so the food we eat at one meal does not satisfy us forever. We must daily partake of food. So we must daily eat the Word of God, that the life of the soul may be renewed. In those who feed constantly upon the Word of Christ, upon the Word, Christ is formed, the hope of glory. A neglect to read and study the Bible brings what? Spiritual starvation. Our, our high calling, page 209. Friends, that is crucial. As long as we need day by day a meal. I could have said, you know, after my second lecture, just go, go, just sit here, read your Bible and whatever. You would say, hey, he's crazy. We need something. You came, and now you have it here. Day by day, as we need our daily bread, so we need daily the exposure to the Holy Spirit and to the Scriptures. And why? Because our mind is very quick to forget, and we need to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it, unless we have photographic memory. But there are very few in this room that have a photographic memory. And the older you get, the more you have to read it, because forgetting gets more and more. Observation, daily Bible study renews the life of the soul. And that's what we need. How to survive the shaking? Focus daily on the highest priority in life. First testimony, page 134 and 135. 
I saw that young and old neglect the Bible. And that is what she speaks to the Adventist church. Young and old neglect to study the Bible. Especially are the young guilty of this neglect. Most of them are ready to find plenty of time to read almost any other book. But the word that points to life, eternal life, is not perused and daily studied. That precious, important book that is to judge them in the last day is scarcely studied at all. Observation, do not neglect the daily study of the Bible. Now, you may say of Yara School, yeah, you know, that preacher, that sounds very good, but I have so many books, so many assignments. I never, I, I don't have, I have only hardly time to read the books that I need today. Friends, if you are under those pressure, is it worthwhile to neglect the word of God? It is better to drop a course and spend more time in your coursework and your study, maybe an extra year, but feed and be vivacious in the word of the Lord, then neglect it. I've said it to many a student. I can count on one hand the student that picked me up. He said, oh yeah, but you know, I'm sponsored to the seminary, and then my sponsorship runs out. So what? Can you not work then for your income? I said, why don't you talk to your conference president? And if he has any objection, then come to me, and I talk to him. And I've never needed to talk to them because every student that pleaded for more time in the seminary because of family circumstances was allowed to stay longer. See, we don't believe that God has, can help us. You know, if you look at my office, you can ask my wife, piles and piles. I can simply focus on that. No. Every morning, first thing in the morning, Spending time. Sometimes I get up at 4 o'clock when the Lord wake me up this morning at 5 o'clock. Spend time with the Word. Because I need that. If I don't need it, I have no guarantee what will happen during the daytime. You see, that is what we need to do. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. And then we will see what it does in our lives. And it will make us men and women who cannot be bored or sold. But it's true to the needle, as the needle to the pond. And so here, this is one assignment that can be richly, that can be a rich blessing to you. Here you have William Miller on the left and Joseph Bates on the right. And the Spirit of Prophecy gave you some very interesting counsels here. Read the early Adventist experiences. The records, he says, of the experience through which the people of God past in the early history of our work, must be republished. That's letter 105-1903. The experience of William Miller and his associates, of Captain Joseph Bates and of other pioneers in the Advent message, should be kept before our people. Letter 105-1903. Repeat the words of the pioneers in our work who knew what it cost to search for the truth as for a hidden treasure and who labored to lay the foundation of our work. Review and Herald, May 25, 1905. You know, nowadays, in our evangelism and Bible studies, we go through the 78 fundamental beliefs. Which one deals with the pioneers? Nothing. 
And so people are coming out, you know, in droves, accepted the message and whatever. And then, later on, we realize that in five years' time, about 50% is gone. Why? All these efforts. You know what I mean? They like it. They like the evangelist. They like the high. But three years from now, another evangelist comes there. More powerful. And they will swept away. What is our foundation? We have nothing to fear for the future unless we forget how God has led us. And so here then, it is a treasure house. It's a hidden treasure. How to survive? Understanding the truth for our last days, for our days, protects against the last day deceptions. The standard bearers who have fallen in the death are to speak through the reprinting of their writings to bear the testimony of what constitutes the truth for this time. So, friends, you can see that if you don't read the pioneers, what do you know? You have theologian this, pastor this, evangelist that, excellent people, you know, faithful Adventists. But how did we get from being a Presbyterian to a Seventh-day Adventist as the early pioneers experienced? Many, some came from the Baptist, others from the Anglican, the Church of God, the Disciples of Christ. We came from all walks of life in the Advent movement. And we stick together and we discover the truth. How did God do this? What light did he give? Fantastic, friends. Unbelievable. And so, therefore, you can see in Revelation 10, the angel, Jesus Christ, leading us into the truth. And so, what constitutes the truth for this time? Read the pioneers. The history of the early experiences in the message will be a power to withstand the masterly ingenuity of Satan's deceptions. How many of us know what Satan was doing there? Because Satan never runs out of ideas. And if we don't know the past, then we are most likely to repeat the mistakes of the, few, of the past. If we don't know it. And so the Satan comes with the same controversy, the same tricks, over and over again. And Adventists who haven't studied this are likely to be gullible, to be swept away. Yes, friends? How to survive the seeking. Accept the messages of the spirit of prophecy as the testimony of Jesus. Third volume of selected messages, page 83 and 84. How many of us really believe this? How many of us? One hand went up. Praise the Lord. Oh, I see more hands. Praise the Lord. But you know, this is very important. Read here. Man may get up scheme after scheme, and the enemy will seek to seduce the souls from the truth. But all who believe that the Lord has spoken through Sister White and has given her a message will be saved from what? Let's all say together. The many delusions that will come in these last days. Is it tremendous? Tremendous. And so, friends, this is a key element. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. Observation, those who accept these messages are protected against last-day delusions. And that is what we need. That is what we need. Now, the next thing that is really incredible, what the White Estate has done in the last couple of months, the Ellen's White Complete Writings are 
What does it say there? Three. Now, you know, you think that I have a kind of a trick that comes out of my sleeve. No. With the technology today, is incredible. Here you have the iPhone and the iPad and all the other things. And what happens now? Here it is. You click on it. I have it on my iPhone. Plug it in there, and you can download it. It says here, to gain higher education means to follow this word implicitly. It means to walk in the footsteps of Christ, to practice his virtues. It means to give up selfishness and to devote the life to the service of God. Amen. Now, that is what you get now in the, on your fingertips. And it doesn't cost anything. Now, I am the fellow, you know, I mean, for a quick reference, I like to do this, Father, but I like for reading, I like to have the book in my hand. So, you know, I like to read it. Now, the publishing houses in the States here have told the white estate that it has not affected their sales. People still like to read a book and have something in their hands. But, you know, when you're out on the road, when we travel, you know, when we want to share, you do stick it in, you know, download it, there you have it. So, in other words, there is no excuse anymore for not being affected by the truth. And yes, you say you have no, you know, no money. Why not on your Christmas day, birthday? List it there. Your friends and relatives. Friends, this is marvelous. Free download from the App Store. And now, in a few days, the App Store starts on January 6th. Free download. How survive the shaking? Focus on the priority of preparing for the second advent of Christ. Focus on that. My calling in life, if you want to load, if you wake me up in the night, prepare men and women for the second coming. My topic, the way I write, the way I produce, you know, the way I tour, I take a whole group of a great contemporaries to it. This is not just sightseeing, no. It focuses on the monuments of history. For men and women who died a martyr death are we willing to do the same? Because before the time of trouble comes, the real time of trouble, this is a time of little trouble. And many, according to the book of Mar Maranatha, will be killed. Many gods of people because of that. Are you ready? Are you ready? And so, friends, daily reading a study of the, of the scriptures. Are you willing to do that? Maybe you have not been, you have been so busy you haven't done it. And what about study of the spirit of prophecy daily? In our family, what we simply do, one worship, the Bible, another one, the spirit of prophecy. That's how we operate. And then if we have more time over, we read other books. There's nothing better. You know, there was one lady who said, you know, yeah, shall I do now with all my books? No, don't do it. But first things first. The best things first. And if you have still time over, read the other good things. Very simple. But you have to, in these last days, you have to keep your priorities straight. And if you don't have those straight, you get involved in all kinds of good things, but are still unprepared for the future. And so read and study the writings of the early Adventist pioneers. And at this time, I will make an appeal. All those who from now on, for the daily worship, 
the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. And then you can read whatever you want to. But are you willing to focus on those priorities? Can I see hands? Lord, you have seen the covenant of those people. Bless them and pour your spirit upon them. In Jesus' name. So, now we have seen this, friends. If you want to have this presentation, and they are available for downloading. GC Tours, that is my wife's business, gctours at mac.com, and you will receive a URL where you may download those in PDF form. And can you use them? Okay? Let us pray. Precious Lord, we thank you so much for having been with us here. We ask you especially to pour your spirit upon those who attended the sessions and may they share your beautiful message of love and care that you are so interested in us that you share all the details of the obstacles that we have to overcome. And now we can relax in a way that we don't need to be fearful for the shaping. We know how it will take place and why it takes place. And may we be an instrument in your hands to hold up the truth, to bring a revival and a reformation. And may very soon we see the loud cry and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the latter rain. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was produced by GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. GYC seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians in contemporary contexts. To download or purchase other resources like this, or if you have been blessed by GYC and would like to donate, visit gycweb.org or email info at gycweb.org. You could also reach us via mail at P.O. Box 3786 Ann Arbor, Michigan 48106. This recording is licensed under Creative Commons. This means you can copy and share it with anyone you like. Please attribute this recording to GYC wherever you reuse it. And keep in mind that resale and alteration are strictly prohibited.